We're waiting for President Trump to speak in the East Room with the emir. And uh, until that comes, we are going to be talking about a very important topic, which is a group of 16 Democratic attorneys general have begun their legal fight against President Trump's ending the DACA program by filing a lawsuit against him in federal court in Brooklyn. Washington State Attorney General Bob Ferguson said their lawsuit alleges that dreamers are being targeted for discriminatory treatment based on their national origin. If the overwhelming majority of dreamers were Caucasian, does anybody really think this president would have taken the action he took? Earlier this year, Ferguson sued Trump over his travel ban, which led a judge to block nationwide enforcement. Joining me is Bloomberg News legal reporter Eric Larson, who's been following this. Eric, the lawsuit uses Trump's disparaging statements during the campaign against Mexicans to show it was motivated by discrimination. Tell me about that argument, which echoes the lawsuit against Trump's travel ban, where they used what he said. Yeah, it really does. They're using a very similar strategy, and uh, they have lots of material to work with because Trump spoke so much during the campaign. Um, the complaint really lays out several, you know, several bullet points of different things that Trump said uh, along the way, including his in his very first speech announcing his candidacy when he uh, re- made references to Mexicans being rapists and. Also, he called them bad hombres and later on said Mexico was sending their worst because their government is so smart and doesn't want to take care of them. Um, many, many things like that. Even the judge. Yes. So that that seemed to work out well for in the travel ban cases. Some judges really uh, said that while presidents have a lot of authority in a lot of different ways, uh, that these comments show dis, uh, some discriminatory intent. And that's what they hope to show in this case in the equal protection constitutional claim uh, that that can show some animus uh, as opposed to uh, looking for an actual policy beneficial to the United States. What are some of the other uh, arguments that they make that that you feel are strong? I've heard about the argument under the Administrative Procedures Act, which is a bit technical, but still. Uh, Yes. Basically, that says that uh, the federal government can't put in place a policy or make a change based uh, just on animus or sorry, based on uh, being arbitrary or capricious, uh, which, you know, is basically another way that you could show that a government uh, was just uh, trying to harm a particular group uh, in violation of uh, a federal law. But um, I don't know if that is going to be the stronger one or the equal protection. There's also another uh, uh, due process uh, claim that uh, is about whether the federal government should be able to use all the personal information that they gathered about these DACA recipients that they voluntarily handed over personal information about themselves to qualify for DACA. And now basically they've handed the federal government everything they need to track them down and deport them. So there's there's another due, that's a due process claim there. Um, so it's sort of a mixed bag as as far as which one of these might work in court. Under Obama, the Justice Department concluded in 2014 that DACA is lawful. Will that come back to haunt the department in any way? Because now they're saying that it's unlawful? Uh, well, I, I suppose in, in to a certain extent it will be up to judges to decide it based on the whole mix of information. But, I mean, the Justice Department in, in many different types of cases, not just these not just the travel ban, not just uh, immigration, but lots of different cases since Trump was elected have sort of changed their position on things and that to some extent is to be expected. Uh, So I I did speak with a few experts who said that the DOJ's previous um, decision uh, saying DACA was constitutional was, was based on 
too little information. There wasn't enough information to go to, to make that decision. So, uh, and again, DACA was always supposed to be sort of temporary. So the DOJ is, does sort of get another bite at the apple here. The lawsuit also claims economic harm. It argues that the individual states will be harmed by the potential deportation of thousands of taxpaying residents and different kinds of economic harm. How good is that argument? That is one that the experts I've spoken to have, haven't weighed in as much about, but it, it, it certainly is would seem to give them standing to sue, at least, and for a judge to look at whether or not uh, it's legitimate. Um, but it, it, they don't actually put a, a lot of uh, work into describing those, those claims in the complaints themselves. Uh, they just merely state that basically some of these people will no longer be able to get work uh, in based insurance and which will increase uh, expenditures for the state for health care, that sort of thing as well. Several major companies intend to join these lawsuits, and two, Microsoft and Amazon, have pledged to pay the legal expenses of any employees who may become vulnerable to deportation. Where does that how does that impact the lawsuit? I mean, is it's not a need for money, I wouldn't think, with all the states involved. Is it just a, 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 a you know, a statement that okay, government businesses behind this? Well, it's definitely a statement, and even before the lawsuits were filed, these companies made their views clear uh, to the president and the administration, uh, urging them to uh, leave DACA alone uh, in for the sake of diversity. And uh, Amazon, really, the, in their filing, they said um, that you know in increasing diversity in the workplace is simply better for business, and that's essentially what um, all of these companies are saying, particularly in the tech industry. And... A judge is always going to look at those and take that into consideration, but um, they're not yet par parties to the case, and uh, they're basically just you know making their opinions known at this point, but I'm sure they're going to be involved very closely. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, in announcing that DACA would be withdrawn, said that the power to protect young immigrants from deportation lays with Congress alone, but then Trump tweeted eight hours after that announcement that if Congress doesn't act, quote, I will revisit that issue. So is he contradicting his own attorney general? And in by doing so, does that undermine the argument? Well, this is an attorney general. He hasn't had any problem insulting <laughs> on Twitter. So it's uh, and it's not the first time he sort of flip flopped on something pretty quickly. But I think that he's giving a, li a, a little bit of a lifeline to DACA recipients here. Um, giving them a little bit of reason to hope. I, it's hard, hard to predict what Trump will do, but he at least is leaving it open that maybe he will take some action if Congress doesn't in six months, um, which I'm sure it gives some amount of hope, actually, to some recipients. You know, the all the arguments around executive orders seem to me to be contradictory because Trump argues against Obama's executive orders, as Jeff Sessions does, and yet... Trump has had more executive orders in the first three months, and, and I think he's up to more than 40 executive actions. And, and he promotes them as accomplishments of his term. Right. And uh, to his supporters, I'm sure they probably see them that way, too. But the, the, the problem with executive orders is that just as you can easily implement them, you can easily take them away. So, um, and that's what he's doing with a lot of Obama's orders. And, and, you know, if Congress had passed legislation similar to what Obama wanted, then this wouldn't be as much of an issue. But uh, 
one one problem with DACA, as far as the recipients are concerned, is that it wasn't really an executive order. It was more of an executive directive to Homeland Security. Um, and really, that made it even easier to reverse. And it was always intended to be temporary, a stopgap measure until Congress could act. And unfortunately, Congress did not act uh, for these people. So in a sense, some of the experts we've spoken to who said who have said that uh, Trump has a good case here uh, are basing that opinion on, on on the fact that this that DACA was always intended to be temporary, um, even that's how Obama envisioned it, and that Congress was supposed to do something and hasn't. So that that, that does give Trump the upper, upper hand in some uh, in the eyes of some experts, including DACA supporters I've spoken to. Well, I was that was my next question, because from everything I've read, most attorneys and professors give, you know, if they're giving odds, give the odds to the Justice Department here uh, as having the stronger case. Yeah, and it's also possible that there could be a, mi- a mixed ruling of some sort. If you if you just focus in on the um, due process claim about the use of their personal information, it's possible that Trump could come out on top here and DACA could go away, but that the government might somehow be prohibited from using the personal information, although that's it'd be very hard to figure out how you would keep that from happening. I imagine it would be tempting to anyone at ICE who wanted to use it to just go door to door. But, um, it, you know, it, it really is a, a mixed bag here because if you you also have these potentially discriminatory comments, which could undermine the upper hand that Trump had uh, in, in the eyes of some judges, they might say, if you hadn't said all these things about Mexicans, then maybe we would give it to you. But since you did, we question your intent. I mean, this is just one possibility. And the attorney general of California is not involved in this suit. He wants to file his own lawsuit. Explain the reasons. Well, I haven't spoken to him, but my uh, my colleague uh, has in San Francisco, Cardike, and he's... he's uh, I think the idea is that California has so many DACA recipients that they just are, are going their own way. I will, we'll have to wait and see. Nothing has been filed yet. But they certainly have far more DACA recipients than New York, for example. Um, and they may ha- be able to use those numbers to craft a, a legal strategy more specific to their issues. Um, so and also, I guess if you have more than one case, then you have more than one chance to succeed. So. <laughs> Also, I just want to remind people of what's happened, and because Attorney General Sessions was mentioning this was, you know, not legal, and it's been through the courts. Other, you know, Justice Department people have said it's been to the Fifth Circuit and to the Supreme Court. But tell us what happened at the Supreme Court. I'm not actually sure. Oh, okay. It was a four to four. It was a four to four split. So it affirmed the Fifth Circuit, which had said that that the the other program DAPA was not legal, but it just affirmed it because it was a four to four split. Now, if that went up to the Supreme Court now, I think we'd probably have a different situation. It might be more likely five to four against. Yeah, it, it's certainly possible. I'm. Sh- I think we'll probably find out. But again, like it's it's does make it more difficult to predict how justices are going to come out on something when you have these unusual elements to these cases, which is the animus angle. Um, with the travel ban, the Supreme Court, when they hear that in October, they're going to have they're going to have to take into consideration all of these comments that the president made and weigh those against his presidential power. And the same thing is going to happen here. 
We are uh, looking at the East Room right now where all the reporters have gathered and we're waiting for President Trump to appear with the emir of Kuwait. Uh, they have been meeting uh, outside outside the, in the uh, White House and uh, apparently talking about the situation, the diplomatic crisis, which is three months old in the um, Arabian Gulf. So we have been talking with Eric Larson, who is a Bloomberg News reporter, about the DACA program. You know, Eric, I think something that is also so confusing is, you know, President Trump's tweets at different points. We, we mentioned the one point where he said um, that he could revisit it. He also, in response to Nancy Pelosi, said to them, don't worry about the next six months when there was guidance from one of the departments telling them to get themselves ready. Right, right. Um, it's again, it's another case of, of mixed messages. Uh, as we've noted in some of our coverage, Trump has also praised specifically the DACA dreamers, as they're called. He has said nice things about them, especially because he has people coming to Adam from the right and the left praising these dreamers, who have some of whom have done incredible things, uh, including one of those Houston firefighters who was rescuing people from Hurricane Harvey, who's a dreamer. Um, so I think he does feel compelled to try and balance out his actual policy with saying nice things and tweets on occasion. But it's the policy that's going to end up winning. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, speaking of his tweets, several of them are listed in, in the complaint, um, not specifically about dreamers, but when, for example, during a campaign, there were protesters uh, holding Mexican flags, presumably they're of Mexican or origin, but he tweeted and referred to them as criminals and thugs for no other reason than they were standing there protesting, holding Mexican flags, and he made that assumption. So I, it it's it's just one another it's just another tweet that is going to be used against him in court and we'll see how the judge weighs it though the judge and then probably the appellate court exactly. and then probably the en banc court and then the supreme court yes. uh, because it seems like this is something that is is not going to go away the logical thing would be for congress to pass some kind of legislation. And it seems like they could pass something that's very narrow, and there's a lot of pressure to, yet a lot of people are not hopeful that that's going to happen. Well, and a lot of people also don't want that to happen because uh, people uh, talk a lot about how Trump, many of his decisions are directed at his base, and his base is less interested in Congress passing a DREAMer Act than it is in deporting them. Presumably, that's what a lot of people want um, to happen. And even fact, uh, the story that we wrote yesterday about the lawsuit, I got lots of emails from readers, and a lot of them were saying they should be deported, period. So if they see Congress pass a law uh, protecting them, they're not necessarily going to be happy about that. It may, might let Trump put the blame on them, though. It's, it's, it's odd because my looking forward, I would imagine that when you see these young people being deported who, you know, speak as you and I speak and without yes. an accent and, and look just like everyone else in the country, that it's, it's going to be, there's going to be a backlash. One would think so, especially when you think about um, how well-placed so many of these dreamers are, like we were discussing earlier with the companies that have su are supporting the Democratic Attorneys General. They, they have uh, dreamer employees uh, who, who have 
you know, are making these well-known companies part of what they are. And if you they start to see these people getting pulled out of their jobs and 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 th thrown out, it's just going to be bad PR. Uh, one would think. So it's possible that Trump might want to please his base by pushing for DACA to be rescinded, uh, but then also get Congress to protect them so that it's he's not the one seen to be doing it. So it, was, it potentially would be a good strategy that would work out for him and the Dreamers. Uh, we are waiting for President Trump to appear in the East Room of the White House for a joint news conference with the Emir of Kuwait. And this will be his 15th joint news conference with a foreign leader. And um, I am willing to, if he does take questions, I think one of the top questions will be about what we've been talking about, which is DACA and the lawsuit. Yes. The, he has said that he does not regret his decision, but as, we, as we've mentioned, there, has, there have been some contrary uh, uh, tweets about it. Um, in, the, in the Justice Department, is this, this was a political decision made by the Justice Department, or... Or was it Jeff Sessions looking at the law and thinking that they couldn't win if these attorneys general from conservative states, including Texas leading, said that they were going to sue over DACA if they didn't end DACA? So was it a political decision or was it a legal decision? Well, I suppose it could be both. Uh, Sessions has always been very... Uh, strict on immigration, and uh, he's never been shy about making those positions very clear. So I'm sure that when he became attorney general, this was one of his many immigration-related uh, priorities, and, and Trump was behind him on it, presumably. So um, as far as whether it's uh, political or legal, I, I honestly, I think that he, I'm pretty sure he believes the law is behind him on this, as we discussed before with the sort of the weakness of Obama's uh, uh, directive on DACA. It wasn't even an, an executive order. It's not legislation, and, and presidents do have a lot of authority. Uh, so he may just simply see this as a matter of a, pres a president using his authority to undo something put in place by his predecessor that he disagrees with. Eric Larson, thanks so much for talking to us about all the implications of DACA, which we'll be talking to you about more in the future. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.